If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Jonah. Jonah will be in chapter 3 today. Jonah chapter 3. Again, if you have a hard time finding the book of Jonah, you can do one of two things. You can go to the book of Psalms and turn a couple to the right. Or you can go to the book of Malachi and turn about seven or eight books to the left. And as you're turning, I'm going to ask if you guys would pray with me. Would you guys pray with me? Father, as we continue in the spirit of worship, now as we move into the worship through dissecting and breaking your word, Lord, I pray that we would continue with the same reverence. I pray that we would continue with the same awe of you. Lord, as we look at how your love, just as we sang about, Lord, it chases us. Lord, we're about to see and read about a time when your love, it chased a man by the name of Jonah and how your love chased an entire city. Lord, and how dare we think that we're outside the grasp of your love, that we're outside the grasp of your hand, that we're outside the grasp of your grace. Lord, and here's what I know. I know that there are some people that as we've been going through this series, Lord, they've been convicted. They've been convicted because they know that they're not being obedient to your call. Maybe they're being convicted because they're in the midst of running from you. And I pray that today might be the day that we find reconciliation. I pray that today might be the day where we stop our running, where we stop our rebellion that we're leading against you and your kingdom, Lord, and that we would surrender to you. Lord, I pray from everything that is said today that you would get the glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just set the table for you a little bit. Jonah chapter 3, third week of going through this series. And man, I have been just somewhat, uh, I've been a little wrecked by this book. I've been a little exposed in areas of my own life where God says, to do this, and I don't want to do it. And I know that perhaps maybe you're in the same boat. And, and I couldn't help but remember about a time in my life, it was a few years ago now, where uh, I was kind of reminded about it whenever I was doing a missional community project here at Devon Forest. We were hanging around doing an ice cream party for one of the first grade classes and, and just going through the, the book of Jonah, studying about it and learning about why he was disobedient and also being with the kids and, and serving ice cream. I was reminded about a time in my life in my first year and actually into my second year of college whenever I, shocker, was an education major. I was an education major, and my goal for that was to become, obviously, was to become a teacher. Can you imagine me being a teacher? Like, I know that some of you know me pretty well, and, you know, I, I'm really like a 92-year-old in this body. I'm really like 92 on the inside. I would have been the worst teacher probably of all time. I would have been the worst teacher. Like, no recess today. No recess. Sorry. Pop quiz. No, we're not watching this movie. No, you cannot have popcorn. No, you cannot have an ice cream party. 
we're studying today. I would have been probably the worst teacher of all time. And whenever I was in college, thankfully the Lord, he kind of broke me of this. And he, he kind of steered me in another direction. But, you know, as I was an education major, and thank, like, let's just thank goodness, thank God for those of you who are teachers. Like, God bless you. You have an incredible job and an incredible, incredible responsibility. Uh, have a, a great summer. Enjoy your, enjoy your time off. If you, uh, if you get any time off, enjoy your summer. It's well deserved. But I was actually an education major, not because I had this, this spirit of a teacher, not because I wanted to teach kids, but really because, shocker, I knew that God was calling me into deeper ministry, more full-time ministry, and I said, there's no way that I can do that. And so instead of surrendering to that call, instead of marching down this process to become a pastor, marching down this, this process to, to be in ministry, I said, I think I'd rather just go this way and, and become a teacher. And I'm not saying that you can't be in ministry as a teacher. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God specifically through His Holy Spirit said, I want you to become a pastor. And in my flesh said, there's absolute no way that I can become a pastor. I have absolutely nothing that I can bring to the table. There's no way that, that I can do this. And so I was an education major trying to run from the calling that God had placed on my life. And I saw teaching as a way out of that. I saw teaching as a way out. This is essentially the same thing that Jonah did. I saw teaching as a way to get out of God's calling on my life. And man, teachers have such a hard job. Like, I, you know, I'm not belittling that at all, but really... Deep down, honestly, I, I just said, God, there's, there's no way. There's no way that can happen. And I've heard from a few of you that through this series in Jonah, that maybe you've been reminded about something that God has called you to. Or maybe last week you were kind of exposed as a runner. Maybe you were exposed as somebody who's been running from God. Maybe last week or, and through this series you've repented of that. Maybe you've repented of your sin and you've turn the other way and you, you've stopped leading this rebellion against God's call in your life, maybe you have repented. But it still answer, we, we still have to answer the question, what exactly does God want for Jonah? What exactly does God want for Nineveh? And maybe if you've been with us, you've been sort of asking that question. And the first week we, we talked about how, how Jonah ran. God says, go. Jonah ran from that calling. Last week we talked about how God offers repentance towards them, and then he, he still set out for Nineveh, but maybe you've been asking this question, okay, what's behind it all? What does God want? What does God want in general? What does God want for Jonah here? What does God want for my life? What does God want for your life? What, what does God want? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, what does God want in general and then specifically for me, what does God want for my life? Am I the only one that's ever asked that question? I know that there's a lot of, there are probably thousands upon thousands of high school students right now that are asking this very question, or college students that are asking this very question, maybe young adults that are asking this question. 
Everybody kind of entering into a new stage of life, always wanting to know, okay, what does God want for my life? What does God want? I need to know, got to know. And here's the root of that. Here's, here's the root of why we want to know what God wants for our life. We want to know what God wants because we don't want to wander aimlessly. We want to plan. Got to have a plan. Got to know. None of us like to waste time. And so today what we're going to talk about specifically is we're going to answer the question of what does God want? I would love, I'll just be transparent with you, I would love for every single person in Creekside Church to know what God wants. Today, tomorrow, Years from now, I would love for every single person who calls themselves a, a member, a, a partner of Creekside Church to say, I know what God ultimately wants. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what God wants in general, and then we're going to answer the question of what God wants for your life. All right, we're going to answer those questions. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Jonah chapter 3. Let me go ahead and catch you up to date on what exactly has been going on. Jonah chapter 1, God says... Go. He says, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. They were the, uh, the rivals of the Israelites at this time. They were a part of this nation called Assyria. And they were heated rivals with the nation of Israel. They hated each other. And God says, I want you to go to this city. Jonah says, absolutely not. Not going to happen. He runs down to this place called Joppa. And it says that he boards a ship getting ready to go to this place called Tarshish. And so as he's on this as he's in the ship on the way to Tarshish, the Bible says that a storm comes about, that the wind is going like crazy, the seas are rough, that the, that the, uh, the, the fishermen on the boat, they, they, they sense this panic, they have this urgency, they say, Jonah, get up. Is it your God? What, what, are you causing this storm? Is somebody, your God that you worship, is he causing this storm? And he basically says, yeah, it's me. It's because of me. If you want to get rid of this storm, all you have to do is just pick me up and throw me overboard. And so that's exactly what they do. They pick Jonah up. They throw him overboard. He's in the midst of the, the seas. And it's there that we find what Jonah is most known for when a big fish just swallows him up. A big fish just swallows Jonah up, and he's in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. And as he's in the midst of this, this fish, as he's down in the belly, it says that he finally turns to God, that he finally ceases with running from the Lord, that he finally ceases with this charge that he's leading against God, that he gets his heart right with the Lord, and he repents. And right after he repents, this fish vomits him up. So you can imagine, like, he's probably covered in vomit. He's probably covered, and, and, and like, just imagine that he's probably been in the belly of this fish for a couple days now, which is probably very acidic. And so you can just kind of picture with me for just a second that he, he's not very comfortable right now, okay? Like, he's not in the most comfortable state. So that's where we'll pick up in Genesis chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out it against it, the message that 
I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Can we just say hallelujah? Like, thank goodness, the man finally did what God told him to do. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city doing a day's journey And he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Listen to this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. That's the short, like, that's the shortest sermon in history, and people believe God. I wish I could just stand up every Sunday, give like a, uh, give like a six-word sermon, and people just start falling before the Lord and repenting. I I wish I could do that. So Jonah says, he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. In the Hebrew, this is actually five words. So he's saying five words and like a whole city starts to fall and believe God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He removed his robe and he covered himself with sackcloth. He's in this position of mourning takes off his robe, puts on a sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. This is the highest symbol of mourning. This is the highest symbol of like, I've messed up, I've done wrong. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? Maybe God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented to the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Man, isn't this a good book. It says that there's this great city and God sends his messenger to this wicked city. And as Jonah gets out of that fish and he starts preaching and proclaiming the word of God, turn, repent. Five word sermon. It says that people start believing in God. Like this wicked nation, people start believing in God and word reaches to the king. Normally movements spread Top down, they start in the highest places of culture and they spread down to the lowest places of culture. Like if in our day, if something were to happen in one of our major cities, normally that's where trends start. Not so for Nineveh. For Nineveh, it starts at the very bottom and it's so powerful that it rises all the way up to the king. When the king hears this message, he says, we've got to repent, we've got to turn. He takes off his robe, he puts on this this sackcloth. It's it's just this, this symbol of, of nothingness. It's a symbol of surrender. And he says, let nobody in our, na- in our city, let nobody in our city eat or drink anything. Let's fast. Let's turn. We've got to turn to God. Let nobody eat or drink. Not even, don't even let your animals eat or drink. Like that's like real repentance. Like if you, if you were to like want to turn to God and repent, that's one thing. But if you go home and you say, dog, we're not eating cat we're not eating until we get this thing right with the Lord that's like real repentance like they they're not even letting the animals eat that's how bad they want to turn to the Lord and it says that the Lord hears their cries hears the cries of their of the city 
and he has grace on them, he has compassion on them, and he relents from what he was about to do to them. God spares the wicked city of Nineveh. They don't get the, de- they don't get the destruction that they deserve. This is God's mercy. You see, mercy is not getting something that we deserve. And that's exactly what Nineveh gets here. They deserve whatever it is that their sin has led them to. They deserve destruction. They deserve being cut off from a perfect and holy God. That's what they deserve. But God has mercy on them, and they don't get what they deserve. They are brought in now, and they are allowed to repent. But we're still asking the question, why? Why? Why, why in the world would God do this for this city that, that hated Him, that despised Him? Why would God do this for a city that was filled with idolatry, filled with destruction, filled with chaos, filled with wickedness? Why in the world would God do that? The answer is, what does God want The answer is God wants His glory known in all the world. What does God want? God wants His glory known in all the world. You see, at this point in time in history, this is completely taboo. This is outside of what God normally does. You see, God, in the very beginning, in Genesis, you can look this up, but He starts this special relationship with a man named Abram changes his name to Abraham. He has this special relationship with him. He says, I'm going to bless you and make you the father of many nations, mainly this nation of Israel. And the Old Testament is is filled with God's relationship, this special relationship that he has with this people group called Israel. And he said to them specifically, Israel, okay, God's speaking to Israel. He says, I want you to now display my relationship with you for the rest of the world to see my goodness. And they never understood that. They never got that. He says, I want my relationship with you to be so bright, to be so good that you're worshiping me and I'm blessing you that the rest of the world can see our relationship and know that I'm real and know that I exist and they can know my greatness, know my glory. They never got it. And so for God to bless and have mercy on this city of Nineveh, God's really doing something outside of what He normally does. And He does this so that His glory would be known throughout the world. And now forever, these Ninevites, they they will stand and they would talk about this God that was going to destroy them, that was going to bring destruction on them, but how He relented. For the rest of their days, they would talk about the greatness of God. All that God does in the world, He does to display His greatness. What does God want? He wants to display His glory and He wants to display His greatness throughout the world. Hopefully never, you will, you will never have to ask or wonder about that question again. What does God want? He wants His glory known throughout the world. That's what He wants. If you don't believe me, let me just give you a picture of this in the Old Testament. He says in Isaiah 48, as he's calling out to the people of Israel, he says, For my name's sake, I defer my anger for the sake of my praise. I restrain it for you 
that I may not cut you off. Why does God show mercy on anybody? Why does God show mercy particularly to the Ninevites? For His name's sake. For His name's sake. That whenever He has mercy on us, we look at God and we say, He is so great. He's great. One of your favorite verses, I'm sure, I'm sure that you probably have this like on a bumper sticker or you have this coffee cup at your house or you have this on a t-shirt from youth camp in 1992, Psalm 23. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know that? You know Psalm 23? He is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For His name's sake. You ever noticed that before? We love Psalm 23. We'll preach it at weddings. We'll say it at funerals. Why does He lead us beside still waters? Why does He restore our souls? Why does He lead us in paths of righteousness? He does it for His name's sake, so that whenever He leads us to those places, our hearts are just overflowing with praise for a merciful God. He does all that He does to display His greatness, whether in good times or in bad. In good times or in bad. And so for this city of Nineveh, what God is doing here is He's displaying His mercy. He's displaying His glory. He's displaying His glory. He's taken a man out of the belly of a fish that was there for three days who becomes fish vomit. And He takes him into a city and a whole city repents, 120,000 of them. And they got the animals feasting, fasting. Those words are closely aligned. That's, that's easy to mix up. He's got, he's got their animals fasting here. Why? So that they might know the greatness of God. But is that all He wants? Is that all that God wants? Of course not. That's not all that He wants. That's the main thing. So if you're ever asking yourself, okay, what does God want for my life? What, is he, what does God want in all the world? He wants His greatness to be on display. He wants His glory to be on display. We know that now. But what does He want from us particularly? Let's listen to the simplicity of this. Go back to jo- uh, Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came again to Jonah, the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I would tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. God calls. He says, go. Jonah listens. He obeys. And people get saved. Like people are saved from destruction. What is, like, what did God want from Jonah here? What, God wants daily obedience from those who say that they follow him. Arise, go, call out against it the message that I give you. Do you see how simple that is? Do you see and notice the simplicity of the message? Do you hear the simplistic version of what God's calling them to do? He says, arise, go, give them this message that I tell you. And Jonah does it. And then God does the rest. You see, what God wants from us is just simple obedience. He will do the work. If we just surrender to that call, if we're obedient, He will do the work. You see, sometimes we get, 
caught up in worrying about the messenger. We get so caught up in worrying about what I will say, what I will do. Am I equipped? Am I called? Do I have the proper tools? Am I capable of doing this? We get so caught up in the message messenger that we forget about the message. Simple as five words here in Hebrew, and a whole city repents. Sometimes it's not about you, and it's not even necessarily about what you say. It's about God working in that message. It's the message that matters. It's not us. It's not always about the messenger, but it's about the message. His work is supernatural. His word speaks for itself. We don't need to add anything to it. His word speaks for itself. We don't need to take anything away from it. His word speaks for itself. All he's asking us to do is to obey. All he's asking us to do is to go. So what does God want for your life? He wants you to be obedient with whatever he's called you to. Just be obedient wherever you are. The day-to-day stuff. Like I know sometimes we we think about big picture. We think about where we want to be. We want to think about the extravagance of our lifetime, our lifespans, everything else, I promise if you're just obedient with the day-to-day stuff, then he'll make everything clear for the rest of your life. He will plan out your future if you're just obedient with the small stuff, the day-to-day stuff, the here and now. If you surrender here and now, he will map out, he will plan, he will protect everything for your future. Is having a plan bad? No. Is mapping out where you want to be bad? No. Is having goals bad? Absolutely not. But God calls us to be faithful where we are and be obedient where we are with what we have in the here and now. That's what He calls us to do, and His work is supernatural. And I wanted, this morning, I wanted to give you a picture of what it's like to be obedient in the here and now. I wanted to give you a picture of what it's like to be obedient in the day-to-day stuff. And so I've invited a guest here this morning. And if you would, help me inviting Miss Whitney Jones here this morning. Make sure we get a mic for you. You guys say, hey, Whitney. Hey, Whitney. All right. So Whitney goes to and is a partner of one of our churches, uh, our sending church, Church at Cane Bay, and uh, we began a relationship with Whitney several years ago, and uh, Whitney has just surrendered to go be a full-time missionary to uh, the nation of Kenya. If you don't know where Kenya is, it's in Africa, okay? I know these things because of Google. So she's getting ready to go to actually Nairobi. Yes. Nairobi, and what do you know off the top of your head how many Muslims are in Nairobi? What, like a legit number? Because that's a no. But it's at least millions, right? Yes. The city is about three and a half to four million people. Um, and so the majority is Christian. It's about 75, 25%. So wow. 25% Muslim or other religions, and then 75% Christian. Right, absolutely. And so what happens in this country is that whenever... Uh, say, for example, someone is a Muslim, and they grow up Muslim, their whole family's Muslim, it's the kind of the culture there, that's what you do. And if you were to, say, for example, uh, leave the faith of Islam and be converted to Christianity, you essentially lose your livelihood. You could lose your job, you can lose your family, 
You could lose your friends, everything that you've known in order to follow Christ. And what's happening in Nairobi is that a lot of people are, are doing that. And they're converting from Islam to Christianity. And they're losing a lot of their livelihood. They're losing a lot of their friends, losing a lot of family, jobs, whatever it is. And so Whitney has just, uh, a couple months ago, maybe sometime like that, she actually went on a mission trip to Kenya went on a mission trip with Church of Cambay to Nairobi and felt like God was calling her to do this on a full-time basis. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, how did you know that God was calling you to take this step towards Kenya? Yeah, um, I became a believer at 15 um, when I was in youth group, and I knew then that the Lord was very serious about his commission to go into the nations and make disciples uh, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I knew that was the truth of what he'd called us to do. And so in college, I went uh, to CSU and I studied student ministry, thinking that students was uh, the way that I was going to do that. And for several years, about seven years now, that's been the way that he has called me into sharing the gospel with the people around me. Uh, and then last year, I got the chance. Charlie asked me to go um, because we were working with missionary kids. And I said, OK, sure. And I was like, all right, you know, week vacation kind of thing in you know, Kenya, hang out with some kids, see some cool sites, do that. And then uh, I got talking to missionaries there who are not much older than me, who have been there for probably five years or so, roughly. And they said that when they saw the love of Christ penetrate into these areas of darkness, that it compelled them to stay. Mm. It compelled them to go back um, and so I held on to that for the entire week because that was about day two of the trip. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's World a little is wrecked faster. on day two. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. <laughs> a little faster than I was expecting. Um, but I held on to it for the rest of the trip and then also for several weeks when I returned home and just prayed uh, and sought through Scripture of what the Lord called, and called us to do. And actually in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, I'll read it for you guys real quick. Um, it says... Uh, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live, who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for the one uh, who for their sake died and was raised again. And it goes on to continue to share about the ministry of reconciliation left for us. Um, and that that is our call, that we go into the cities and the places around the world to share the love of Christ so that at the end of the days, when we're before the throne worshiping the Lord, the whole world and the, the, the nation is before with us before him. That's good. And if I'm not mistaken, you're getting ready to go for a three-year commitment at least? Two. Two. Two years. Two-year commitment yep. at least. So walk us through that process a little bit. Why would you leave just about everything that you know in order to go to a nation where you know like five people? I know five people exactly. Yeah. <laughs> five people exactly. Um, so, so tell us a little bit, why, why yeah. would you leave home? Why would you leave family in order to go and pursue this calling? Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing it simply because the Lord has asked me to do it, and he, he wants his glory made known among the nations. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the simplest and, and best way I can describe it is that this is, this is not for me. I'm a homebody. Growing up, <laughs> thought I would always be the one that stayed close to my parents mm -hmm. uh, and took care of them as they got older. Uh, and now I'm the one that's moving 7,852 miles. That's a really exact number. <laughs> it is, yeah, um, away. And so it's, it's simply because the Lord has, 
has said, I have a place for you, and I have, your story has a purpose uh, here in Kenya. And I, I honestly don't know what that's going to look like because I'm not there yet. Um, but it's because of his glory and, and that he wants it for my good and his glory. That's good. You notice that? It kind of proves my point pretty much to a T. God says go. And she wrestled with that calling for a little bit and then knew this was the, the clear and simple choice was to just be obedient. So we've been going through this series in Jonah and I, I'm just convinced, like I'm convinced that there are steps and there are things that God is calling people in this room to take. And I, I don't know what they are. Like you know that between you and the Lord. I don't, I don't know what they are. You do. And I'm convinced that that's, that's what's going on in a lot of our hearts. And so I'm convinced that you might be wrestling with that. And so what would you say to somebody in this room who might be wrestling with what God has called them to do, with, with wrestling with whatever that next step is, whatever it might be? Yeah. I would say first turn to the Lord. Um, just press in and seek him fully. Um, pray like the people of Nineveh did, fast. Do, do what it takes to be uh, where you're fully focused on the Lord and then to act like Jonah did. Um, the Lord calls us to focus on him and calls us to go and act, and, and it's in those orders. We have to know who he is and what he's called us to, and then we have to do what he's called us to. Mm. Um, otherwise, we're just running. Absolutely. That's a good call. Well, thank you, Whitney. Would you guys give her a hand? Uh, after, after our service today, uh, Whitney's going to be standing right here at this table. And uh, she's looking for, all that she's looking for are people that will be willing to pray for her in this journey. And uh, so I, I said, absolutely, we'd be willing to, to partner with you in that way and pray for you as you're on the mission field. And so after service today, uh, today I encourage you to, and challenge you. Um, all she's going to do is just uh, get your information so she can reach out to you and tell you specific ways that you can be in prayer for her. And so I, I just encourage you to do that. I said, absolutely, we will, we will help you in this way. She's just looking for people to pray. That's what she's looking for, and that's, uh, that's uh, as low as a bar as you can possibly get, but something that we should be very disciplined in. But I, I want to I point something out that she said. This didn't happen overnight. Like the calling to, to uproot and move out and, and move to a nation where she knows five people didn't happen overnight, but it was small steps that led to this. It was be obedient to, to go on this mission trip to Kenya. And then at that point, it was be obedient to, to surrender where you are, to, to be obedient to work with students. And she's been doing that for several years now at Church of Cane Bay. And then the calling got a little bit further. Be obedient to, to explore these options. Be obedient to explore what it might look like to work with a mission board to send you across overseas. And then it went even a little bit further, and she had to surrender to that calling. And so for Whitney's life, it was daily obedience. It was daily obedience that led to this moment in time in her life. Is God going to call you to be a full-time missionary in Africa? I don't know. I don't know. This is a specific calling that he's placed on Whitney's life. I don't know if that's what he's going to call you to do. I would love for God to raise up missionaries to be sent out from Creekside Church all across the world. That is a goal of mine. That is a goal of ours as a church is that we send out missionaries all across this world so that they might be able to proclaim the glory of God and, and share the gospel with hundreds upon thousands of people. But is that your specific calling? I don't know. I can't answer that. But here's what I do know is that he's got a calling on your life. And for some of you, it might be to 
change your major. For some of you, it might be to walk across the street to your neighbors. For some of you, it might be to change jobs. For some of you, it might be to, to befriend somebody. For some of you, it might be to, to take that next step of leadership in Creekside Church. For some of you, it might just, I don't know what it is, but I know that He's got a calling on your life. And I know that you have a choice in this to be obedient or to be disobedient. But here's what I know. His, his glory and His will is going to take place whether you're involved in it or not. And you can be miserable if you want, but His glory is going to go forth. His plan is going to go forth. Daily, daily obedience. What does God want you to do? What is He calling you to do? I, I can't answer that. I don't know specifically for you. I, I don't know. How did Jonah know what God wanted him to do? What God wanted him to do is because he was hearing from God. And if you want to know what his specific calling is for you, the only way that you can know that is if you're hearing from him on a daily basis. I just can't, I can't make it any more plain to you than that, that if you're not spending time with the Lord, and I mean good undistracted time where you've locked yourself away, where you've turned off your phone, where you've told your husband or your spouse, I I'm going to do this and, and I just need some alone time, where you've put your kids in an area where you can have some, some alone time and you're sitting down studying the scriptures and, and got your prayer journal out and you're, you're hearing from God on a daily basis. I, I can't tell you this enough. If you're not doing that, if you're not hearing from God, then you're probably just wandering aimlessly. You're never going to take that next step. Because you don't know what He wants you to do because you're not close enough to Him for Him to lead you that way. Daily obedience, and sometimes the first step in that daily obedience is that we clear our schedules. Or we wake up earlier. Or we stay up later. Daily obedience in the small things. Daily obedience. Sometimes we get so mixed up in the big picture. Where am I going to be in the next 20 years? I don't know. Are you going to be obedient with what He's called you to do today? Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. God's glory, what He's called you to do, I, I know those two things. I know that God wants His glory displayed in Goose Creek. God wants His glory displayed across the world. God wants His glory displayed on every square inch of this planet. That's what He wants. Everything points to that. And I also know that God wants you to be obedient with wherever He's called you today. I, I know those two things. And the only reason that we wouldn't surrender, the only reason that we wouldn't submit to His calling is because we value what we've got going on way too much. It's because we value our own identities, because we value our plans just like Jonah, that's why we see ourselves in the book of Jonah so much, is because we have our own plans. We have our own makeshift lives that we've created. And essentially, we think that our story and whatever we come up with, whatever we create, is better than His glory. Our story being greater than His glory, we've got it backwards. Jonah wanted to run, get on this ship, go to Joppa so that he could head out to Tarshish because he thought that his story, that his life, that his freedoms, that his rights 
We're so much better than the glory of God being expressed in the world. We do the same thing. We do the same exact thing. We would rather live for our story over His glory, and it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Jonah didn't realize that the sinfulness of this city, that it lived within him. And if not for God's mercy on Jonah, then he would have never been a, a messenger to begin with. What's God calling you to surrender to? What next step? That, that's it. What next step is God calling you to take? Maybe for some of you it's to be a huddle leader. Maybe for some of you it's to become a missional community leader. Maybe for some of you it's, it's to take a next step in serving here at Creekside Church. Maybe for some of you it's to bake cookies and send them over next door to the neighbor. Maybe for some of you it's to befriend somebody. I can't answer that. Maybe for some of you it is to be a missionary across the world. Are you going to surrender to it? Are you going to live that out? Don't want to miss what God's called us to do. We've got one more week in this series, and my prayer is that through now the three weeks that we've been in it, my prayer is that whatever you're called to do, that you would be found faithful, that you would be found obedient. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, I pray in the quietness of this room that your spirit is speaking. Lord, I pray that every man, woman, and child within the sound of my voice would be hearing from you right now. Lord, that your spirit is speaking to hearts. Let's just sit in that for just a minute. Wherever you are, would you just bow your heads and just pray to the Lord, ask Him what that might be. We've already heard a few stories about how folks are taking that next step. We've already heard stories. specifically from people that attend this church about how they took a next step and things happened, things moved. Maybe it's one of your three, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's leaving your job, maybe it's taking a job. Would you be found faithful? Father, would you bring clarity this morning?
Lord, some of us don't even know what it means to be obedient in the day-to-day because we haven't heard from you in so long. Lord, I pray that you would raise up men, women, and children that in a culture that says live for yourself, die for yourself, that we would say no, absolutely not, it's for the glory of God. Lord, I pray that we would be a church in the midst of thousands of churches in this country and in this world. I pray that we would be a church that's hearing from you on a daily basis, that we're all on the same page moving towards whatever vision or goal it is that you have for us because we've surrendered ourselves and we're living for your glory. Raise up missionaries from this group today. Raise up leaders from this group today. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to close with a simple song that talks about surrendering. It's a steep one. Don't sing it if you don't mean it. Don't talk about how you're going to surrender if you have no intentions or no plans to do that whatsoever. Those are bold words. And so if you need to get your heart right with the Lord, then do that first. And then stand and sing. If you need to speak with a pastor, I'll be in the back of the room this morning. Whatever it is, just be obedient.